Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, God is good. Hey, let me say real quick, uh, what's the date? Anybody know the date? Yeah, let me just say real quick about Life Bible College. I believe the deadline is just coming up in a few days. If you want to get in on that and you haven't yet, and you want to do so without late penalty. Yeah. Then I think August 1st is, oh, there we go. Huh, did we have that up before? August 1st. When's that? Saturday. And no one will be here on Saturday, so make that Friday. <laughs> All right. Everybody ready for some word today? Go with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. Proverbs, chapter 4. I started last week by asking the question of why people do the things they do. Uh, Why do some people continue to make right choices while others don't? And uh, we we found the answer to that question. And let's look at it again here in in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It reads, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out of where? Out of the heart. Out of the middle. Out of the center. Out of the core. Out of the powerhouse. Okay? Out of the heart come what? The issues of life. That's where it's coming from. The NIV reads this way. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. How much of what we do? Everything. I, I, I don't like to overuse all-inclusive language. Uh, I don't like to say all and every uh, in many situations. Because many times it's just not the case. It's not true all the time. It's not true in every situation. Uh, but when it is, it speaks volumes to me. When I see the words everything and all in Scripture. When I find out He always causes us to triumph in Christ. I'm going to lock on to that. And when I see scriptures like this, that everything I do flows from it, meaning the heart, I'm going to take notice. I'm going to take notice. Listen to this from the New Living Translation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Is anybody interested in the course of your life? course we're all giving a lot of attention aren't we we're thinking about where we going what's coming up tomorrow what's coming up next year what's coming up uh, in in my future Uh, well if I understand how God created me the the very design of a human being that we that we live from the inside out then I know where to put my attention but unfortunately we kind of sometimes skip over some of these basic realities and truths about our about our nature and it would do us well to give attention back to it. That's what we're doing. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Giving an under, getting an understanding. And, and I believe understanding is essential. We need to know why things are the way they are. We need to know how things work. And it is a matter of the heart. But the good news is, is that the heart can be changed. Really, if the wrong thing is in someone's heart and therefore 
because of that, producing the wrong things or undesirable things in their life. The goal would not just be to curb the, curb the behavior. I need to stop this from happening in my life. No, the goal would be to change the contents or what's in abundance in the heart. And then the behavior will curb naturally. All right? And so if there's a lot of effort given towards anything, it ought to be changing what's in us as opposed to changing what's coming out of us. I'm not saying no effort is given to changing what's coming out of it. That's discipline and sometimes you slap your hand over your mouth and you bite your tongue and do things to stop wrong behaviors that you recognize or wrong things being said. But the long-term goal, I'm interested in long-term. Anybody interested in that? Not just victory today, but victory tomorrow too. Huh? I mean, there's the laying on of hands, there's a prayer of faith, there's a prayer of agreement, there's getting other people to agree with you. And, and, and I've helped many times uh, individuals to get victory now and to get victory today. But I recognize at the same time that if they don't change the contents of their heart, they're not going to have victory tomorrow. Have you ever read in Scripture that when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes and looks for, his, for seven wicked buddies? That are worse than him. And he goes back. And if he finds the place empty, swept, and garnished, he's going to make the last state of that person worse than the first. So sometimes we, we do a good job and, and we do, uh, you know, in helping individuals to get free today. And get, get, getting victory today. And have a, they have a note of victory and a sense of freedom and a healing in their body. Or something takes place in their life. Uh, but that's not the end of their life. Huh? And we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be caught off guard when the enemy comes back. Or when trouble comes knocking at our door again. But if in the meantime, while we've experienced and enjoyed freedom temporarily, we, we, we invest in the, the contents of our innermost being, then when, when the enemy comes back, there's no room. There's no place. There's no opportunity for him to reassert and, and, and re-engage in our lives. We're just occupied already. Huh? We're full of something. And it's called the Holy Ghost. It's the Word of God. It's His character. It's His love. It's His power. It's His presence. We get full of Him and there's not room for a bunch of other junk. Hallelujah. And so that would be our goal. You can displace, displace wrong things with right things not just a matter of i'm trying to get this thought out of me trying to stop you, you know how many know sometimes individuals endeavor to not focus on negative stuff and then trying to get the negative stuff out of their life all they're doing is thinking about the negative stuff you know it's like the person who read and maybe heard some teaching and maybe just misunderstood stood it a little bit about how uh, you know god calls those things, Romans chapter 4, calls those things which be not as though they were. And they heard a little bit of that, maybe heard half of it, and they started, instead of calling those things which be not as though they were, they started calling those things which are as though they're not. And so instead of laying hold of the promises of God and saying, I am righteous in Christ, I am healed and I am forgiven and I am saved and I am blessed and, and, and declaring God's promises over their life, they started just saying the opposite. Well, I'm not sick. I'm not cursed. I'm not. But the whole time they're saying it, all the words they're hearing are is sick and disease and cursed and broke. And you know what I'm talking about? Those are the things that they're hearing again and again and again. And I'm not sure it's changing the contents of their heart. 
See, it's not about that as Christians. We say, no, uh, you know, the light is not there. The door is not there. No, we just do something to alter things that are, that are incorrect. Does that make sense? And one of the primary ways that we do that, again, is not by denying something that it's there, but we deny its right to stay. And how do we do that? We overcome and overwhelm it with the goodness of God. With His grace and power and glory and His word and His promises and His word change, uh, His words will change every situation. Praise God. And so we, 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 we overwhelm our hearts with good things until it starts seeping out of our pores. Until it leaks out of our mouth. Until every time we get bumped and something comes wrong our way, out comes the word of the Lord. Instead of the word of, ah! <laughs> instead of the word of, freak out! What are we going to do now? Hallelujah. And I was, I was drawn to this phrase in this, in this passage here, uh, at least in the latter two translations that we read from, where it says, above all else. The New King James said, with all diligence. The others say, above all else. That's another one of those all-inclusive statements. It said, more than anything else, give your attention to this. And I think, wow. So, so, I, so I, I begin to consider what in my life, what do we commonly guard? Why do we guard certain things in our life? The reason why is because we have attached value to them. Whatever is really, really important to us, we protect. We guard it. And, and, and we, we guard things like our homes, don't we? With, with locks, with insurance, with surveillance systems sometimes. And why? Well, I mean, we've put a lot of our life into that home. And that's where we live. And, and that's really important to us that it be protected from, you know, from damage or from some crook out there. Uh, and so we guard it. We protect our families because they're important to us. Some people have firearms. Uh, some people have, uh, you know, life insurance. People set aside money for retirement. They do all kinds of things. Why? Because their families are important to them. And so they're going out of their way to protect them. Other things like our possessions. You know, we lock a lot of thing up, things up. We, we have maintenance on, on our vehicles and maintenance on other stuff because moth and dust doth corrupt, right? Things get old and wear out. And if they're important to us, we, we, we protect them. We do it with our bodies. People focus on their diets and, you know, if people focus on then vitamins and things of that nature and sunscreen and air purifiers and, and all kinds of things. What, what are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to take care of their body because they know it's the only one they have. You know, I heard they're transplanting heads now, but anyway, I don't know if that's working out so well. Uh, but you know, it's the only one you have, and it's like, I, I need to protect it. Uh, finances. People, you know, they, they hire sometimes investment professionals, and uh, they, they, they put their finances in on, on, on budgets. And why? Well, because your finances are important, and without them, you can't do much. We talk about time. We protect our time by having a schedule and by saying no to certain things. We basically put locks on a lot of stuff. How many have a million passwords? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's like everything's locked down and, you know, identity theft and all this kind of stuff going on. We, we, we protect the stuff that we consider to be valuable. 
Now, obviously, I'm just over-illustrating the fact that we are supposed to be, but often not, protecting our heart, the inward man. Above all these other things, more important than anything I've listed, is we need to, according to this scripture, protect the inside. The absence of guarding your heart will impact your whole life for the worse. The absence of doing so. And right at the same time, if you're a parent, not only is it important for, uh, you know, if you have kids in the home that say it that way, parent of children in the home, not only is it important for you to guard your heart, it's important for you to guard their hearts. Because I tell you, this world is a wicked place. There's a lot of evil out there that's trying to get inside of you. And you know what? It's trying to get inside of them. I know some have taken the approach uh, these days. They say, well, I don't really want to force my children into this belief or that belief. I, I kind of want to just let them make their own choice. Um, listen, I have some pastoral advice. The world is not going to be that, that open with your children. They're not going to say... Well, we just want to let them choose whatever they want. No, in this world, people will cram down their value system, their beliefs, their way of life into your children. The TV will preach at you without apology. Huh? The school system, the media, there's just a whole lot of stuff. And it is, they're going to mess up your child's heart, the inward person. All right. I would encourage you, don't take that approach. I know some have said, well, you know, when I was growing up, my kid, my parents forced me to go to church and I kind of resented it. Um, you know, I don't know what else was going on there. But I tell you, I've told you this recently. Our kids don't have a choice. It's working out pretty good. Huh? And they go to multiple services. <laughs> Every week, all their life, and they do it by choice. But if they didn't do it by choice, they would do it by force. (laughs) Yeah. See, I think the thing we need to avoid is hypocrisy. When a parent is forcing their child to act a certain way and and be in church, and, you know, when they're dropping the kid off and and going away, eh, that might not work so well. You know, when there's, when there's a, a, you need to live this way, but they don't value, they don't see their parents praying. They don't see their parents in the Word. At church, they're, you know, they're saying, you need to be here, but during worship, drink a cup of coffee, hand in the pocket, looking around. See, that doesn't work too well. What needs to happen is real life, real relationship with God in the parents, and then never be afraid of having too much God in your home. That's not going to ruin anybody. Now weirdness and you know fake and phony. Yeah that messes a lot of people up. But I can remember one individual telling me. About that. They said, they said, yeah, when we were young, we were always made to go to church. We kind of resented it. And so we didn't want to do that to our kids. Do you know where that person, that adult, do you know where they told me that? In church. So even though they kind of had some negative memories about the way they were treated, they were as an adult serving God. And I think, I don't know, maybe you, maybe they didn't do it all right. I can't answer that. But here you are. You're not in the world. You're not out serving the devil. You're still serving God. You have His love in your heart. I mean, I think something might have worked. 
Look at Proverbs chapter 18 with me. The heart, what's inside. These are the things that matter most. In Proverbs 18 and verse 14, notice the wisdom here. It reads, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? What sustains him? It says the spirit. Again, talk going back to the inward part of our being. The spirit of man, that will sustain him. Well, what if the spirit's weak? What if the inward part is lacking? That person will not make it. A person will not be sustained. There are some things in, the, in life and in this world that are too powerful and they will overcome a person physically, naturally speaking, unless there is something stronger and greater and more prepared inside. L- listen to this verse from the Amplified Bible. I like this. It reads, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? And and, and so what's going to sustain you? What's going to sustain your children through this tumultuous world that we live in? What's going to help them stay strong? Only if the right thing is on the inside. Only if there is more God in you than there is devil outside of you. Only if there is more victory in you than there is defeat coming against you. And we live from the inside out. I know a lot of people, they kind of conduct their lives with this this mindset. They really just kind of hope that nothing really bad happens to them. You know that's very common in the world, and I hope it's I hope to make, hope it's far less common in here. But they just kind of hope that no one in their family comes down with a you know a serious disease. And I say hope; I don't really even mean it in the biblical sense. I mean kind of more of a just almost a wish that, that they, they hope that so, no one gets in a car accident or nothing really bad happens in their life, and they just can kind of tiptoe through and make it through life and have a good life. There is a much better way to approach things. We can be and ought to be proactive. Uh, We can build ourselves up on the inside. We can be ready. We can put things in us to where where that we will be sustained in times of attack and trouble and not live just hoping nothing comes my way. Because listen, I can't make that guarantee. I can't promise, and I've got a lot of promises. I can't promise you, hey, nothing's ever bad going to come against your life. But I can tell you this, your heart will sustain you. Your heart will give you victory. If you are built up and prepared inside, then you can handle anything that comes your way because he is the greater one. Yeah. You know, Wigglesworth used to say, if you wait to get faith until you need it, you're too late. And isn't that how we often live life? We wait until it gets really hard, and then we're going to get in the Word, and I'm going to get back in church, and then, uh, then I'm going to start praying and doing things, doing business with God. And, and, and thank God He's merciful, and He'll always, his, he, his arms are open wide. But that's not the best way to live, is it? That's not the best way to be. It's better to do what we ought to do on a continual basis. All right, look at Matthew 23. J- Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of his day 
And uh, how many know if you've read scripture, you realize that when Jesus taught his and preached even, his strongest words were against the religious people. Often the religious people are the most ungodly people. And it, it's used as a band-aid, it's used as a cover, because on the outside, they've got the right words, they've got the right clothes, they've got the right look, and, and they look like they're all together just like Jesus, and, and, and they're just the opposite, just the opposite on the inside. And, and that's what he was, he was getting on their case about in Matthew 23, verse 25, it, it reads, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so you see, what's he pointing to? The very thing that we're talking about is if we give all of our attention to the external and make sure we look right and sound right and just kind of dealing with things externally, we are missing how the kingdom of God operates. We're missing God's true freedom and victory that comes from a life inside out. All right? Uh, The the Pharisees were more consumed with what people do and and they were opposed uh, to what people are. And again, our, 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 our approach ought to be similar to that. It's not just about uh, how a person acts, although we don't dismiss that, but, how a pers- but, but who a person really is. So, well, I feel like this. I'm tempted to do this. I behave like this. Well, what are we going to bring you back to? Yeah, but who are you in Christ? What does the Lord Jesus say about you? Who, who do, how does he define and describe your, your condition, your life, your being, your future? And we get back to focusing on that. What is that? It's a, an adjustment of the heart. It's an internal condition that will eventually affect our external condition. I, I would encourage everybody, uh, don't be too quick to judge people based on their external appearance. Now, it's true that our outward is a manifestation of or reflection of the inward. But have you ever noticed that, that it takes time? Have you ever noticed that there's sometimes a delay where it's not instant? What do I mean by that? I make a decision in here. I have a desire in here. I have even a change in here. I've, made, I've repented. I, I've made adjustments in here. Is it immediately seen on the outside? Not necessarily. But when I, if I continue to fill my heart with that new good thing, eventually it'll show up. What if I run into someone in the interim? What if I see someone behave in a way that's, they're just ugly and mean and cruel? And then I, I see them a week later and I think, oh, that dirty rascal. 
I think, man, I can't believe that person even shows up. How do I, how do I know what happened between then and today? How do I not, how do I know what was happening inside of that person while they were being ugly, mean, and cruel? Have you ever been, you know, in a way that even as you were doing it, as you were behaving that way, your heart was smiting you? Your heart was going, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be doing that. And you're going, I know. I can't believe I am doing it. <laughs> you know, and you did it. And afterward, you felt horrible about it. And what did you do? You, you repented and you turned and you changed. And you said, I'm not going to be that way. And Lord, forgive me. And, and, and what do people see? Well, they saw the wrong. They didn't see what you did in private. And so they might look at you from the outside and say, yeah, that person's a, they're a, Whatever. Not a nice person. But what, what, what are you really? You are a nice person. You did some things that were wrong. You made a change. And over time, it's going to manifest again. And it's going to show and people can observe it. Hallelujah. I didn't mean to go off on all that, but here's another side note to that. You know, one of the worst things that a person can do in scripturally, is to gossip and slander other people. It's one of the worst things. It takes a person's sin, or at least perceived sin, and even though it's done and over, repented of, forgiven in the past, it extends the life of it. And when we... Going back to the old other illustration, we saw the de- the dirty deed. We didn't see the change and the heart that didn't even like it to begin with. But then we tell someone else what we saw. And again, we're dealing with the external. We're not giving that person the opportunity to live out their change. And now they've got to deal with all kinds of other people talking. Anyway, that, that's bonus. Maybe someone needs to hear that and show, shut your mouth or something. And I say that in kindness and love and, and, and everything. Shut up. <laughs> uh, look at First Peter with me. First Peter chapter 3. We'll finish over here today. First Peter. Uh, see, I'm confident that inward changes produce external changes. They do, but they're not always seen immediately by everybody. But you do business in the closet, as Jesus taught. You fast in secret, you pray in secret, and your Father who hears and sees in heaven, He will reward you, what? Openly. He'll reward you on the outside. I know payday doesn't necessarily come every Friday in the kingdom of God, but payday always comes. There's always going to be a reward. There's always going to be a response from God for the actions of faith that you take today. Be not deceived, friend. Every time you take a step of faith in God, it resonates in heaven. And God hears your voice and sees your actions and sees what your heart is producing. And it shakes things and rattles things. And over time, you'll see a manifestation of that in your life. First Peter chapter 3, notice with me verse 3, it reads, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair 
wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Now, now I, I understand we're reading the context here. It's speaking to women, but there's a there's a there's a principle here that goes beyond just the women. N- notice what he said: Don't let it merely be on the outside. The, the, don't let it merely be fixing your hair and what you put on. The, the word here, it's interesting. The word adornment, it, it comes from the Greek word cosmeo. Okay, it, it means to, to arrange, to put in order. Uh, think about the word cosmetic. Okay, it, it is used even of, of, of furnishing a room. Okay, so we've got a room and we're going to put some furniture in there, put some things on the wall and get it all decorated. And, 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 and he's saying, don't let your furnishing, your arrangement, the order and doing all this stuff, don't let it just be on the outside. That, that, that's interesting. Don't let it be merely outward. I mean, how many times do people spend all kinds of time? I mean, if we, if we thought up and we could add up all the time we spent fixing ourselves up. Huh? Spent, if you could add up all the time we spent at the hairdresser and ladies getting their nails done and, and, uh, you know, toenails done and <laughs> all this stuff. How many things we hang, you know, people hang on themselves and clothing and all this stuff. And obviously, if you read the context here, you're, you're seeing about how a, a woman relates to her husband and ultimately how she wins her unbelieving husband so to take this to a the other extreme and say that god doesn't want people to fix themselves up and look nice that person doesn't understand men right if someone only looks at this women ought not you know wear gold and all this yes they ought to wear gold just not only. Well, maybe. Oh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I got off track there a little bit for a moment. But the focus is, don't let it just be outward. Just the furnishing of the room, the cosmetic, you know, the, uh, the arranging, think about the cosmos, the arranging of the universe. Don't... It's not just about the outward arrangement. But verse 4, rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty uh, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. And so... Again, we can see the same principle here is individuals who spend too much time, too much energy, too much focus on the external. You know, I know individuals who, uh, they'll fly to another state to get their hair done. I mean, because they got some special treatment for their hair. And listen, in, in one sense, I don't care. If you have the time and the money to fly around to get your hair done and it's better whatever. But I will just say this, the principle that we all have to watch out for is we're guarding everything but what matters. 
We're putting all of our time and energy and money into external stuff to the neglect of the hidden man of the heart. And he's saying, telling us here that uh, these women, see, you can see, they adorned themselves. They outfitted themselves with humility and meekness and submission. And by it, they would win their husbands to Jesus. So you can see that it's possible to take principles and characteristics, characteristics like that and hang them on your heart. See, we're hanging stuff on our ears. Well, I'm not, but hanging stuff on our ears and put stuff on our head and hang clothes on it. Make, make you can hang stuff on your inward man. And wouldn't it be tragic? Wouldn't it be just a horrible thing if someone got all fixed up and they were looking good? The hair was right and every, clothes were good and they were looking sharp. Wouldn't it be tragic if they went out in public? Maybe went to work. Or even to church. And they didn't adorn their inward man. I mean, wouldn't that be worse? Could you imagine how embarrassing that would be? To not hang some humility on your heart. To not adorn yourself with some righteousness. Adorn yourself with some, some authority in Jesus' name. You know what I'm talking about? But too often, we just fix ourselves up on the outside. You ready to go? You ready to go? You know, getting ready to go somewhere? You ready? Let's see, shoes, pants, shirt, hair's cut. I'm ready. Are you? What's going on inside of you? What have, what's been your meditation so far today? What have been your thoughts? Did you eat anything? Yeah, I had my, had my breakfast. No, 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 no. Did you eat anything? Sure, you fed your belly. That's just temporary. Did you feed the inward man? Did you put anything in there that's, that's, that's really going to matter? Something that's going to come up when you get bumped today. Something that's going to come up when the idiot cuts in your lane on the freeway. What's going to come up? My oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> What, what are the contents of the heart? If we don't give attention to that, we're totally unprepared for life. So I just can't handle what, I can't handle the way my wife is acting these days. Well, I don't know if she's acting right or not acting right. But what's inside of you, I'll tell you if you're able to handle it. Because love bears all things. What are you putting inside? And sometimes I think we're ready to deal with the day. We're ready to deal with the week. We're ready to deal with life. And we're totally unprepared. Everything's hanging on the, on the external part of us. This adornment, the adornment of the heart, the, inward, the, co the cosmetics of our inward being are going to eventually show up on the outside. Even to the point where others will be one to Jesus because of you adorning your heart. It can't be hit and miss with our heart. It can't. It's like the life of faith. You don't step in faith and step out of faith. The only way it works is if you live by faith. Is if you view all things through the lens of Jesus on the cross and His death, burial, and resurrection.
It only works if you view all areas, physical, emotional, spiritual, my future, my eternity. I see it all through Jesus. I'm never going to have those glasses on unless I put them on. This world is not going to give them to me. Amen. That's why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Troubled. Who's in charge of that? Say, my heart is troubled today. Stop. Don't let it be. Don't let it be. In this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen.